0: Hi everybody, welcome to the official RBYA podcast. We hope that whatever content we bring to you, whether it be messages or interviews or whatever else it may be, we hope that it would be edifying, that it would help you grow in maturity and in faith and in the knowledge of God. And we also hope that you stick around for any future announcements or updates. We hope you enjoy. I hope all of us, in fact, the Praise and Worship team, can you guys sing that song? Again, not right now, but before we finish the sessions in the camp. That is an awesome song that captures almost everything we've been talking about. Hope, hope in who in Christ. Such a powerful song. I hope all of us will sing as we drive home. We memorize that song. The words are so powerful. Today we talk about a topic that's very important to me. Again, the two things that I've discovered working with the youth for so many years is this. They have a low view of Christ, but here's the next topic, one of my favorite subjects. A low view of the Word of God. And the actual topic for the session is, Bible is the basis of our faith. Bible is the basis of our faith. Can we go ahead and put, yesterday we had a video of a dad trying to get his daughter to convince her to fall backwards. To have faith in him. Trust me, he said. Multiple times, got distracted, she collapsed. Another video, if you don't mind, another trust fail. By us humans. And we're just, it'll be an exercise in building trust between one another. So Harrison, if you don't mind going first, uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. Alright, and then everybody fill in. And... Ask you to fall, and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. So I'm gonna to count to three. Just relax and fall. Okay. One, two, three. No, no, no! He's dead now. No. It's wonderful to have humans giving us instructions, but the Word of God gives us very clear instructions. You talk about Hebrews 1 and Colossians 1, where Christ comes, the supreme revelation, ultimate revelation of who God is. You want to see God look at Christ? When it comes to salvation, all of it's there. Where? The words of Jesus are in the Scripture, in the Word of God. He gives us clear instructions, what faith is, this hope, this assurance, this conviction that we're supposed to have. But the problem is this. Do we know this book? Do we know this word of God? My experience working with the youth is we have no idea what it says in here. It's a low view of scripture. If you look back even 200 years ago in America, remember I told you guys yesterday that in the Jewish tradition, or three days ago we talked, in the Jewish tradition, at the age of 10, these kids were memorizing the scripture, the word of God, the very first five books of the Bible like it was the back of their hand. 200 years ago in America, all the children were taught Bibles part of the curriculum. I want to know, curious, out of here, how many of you guys go to public school? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you guys are homeschooler and go to private school? Raise your hand. Pretty nice group. That means you guys who are public school students, you spend about eight hours learning everything else except for the Bible, and then the only Bible you probably get, unless you're having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, where you're actually spending time every single day in the Word of God, is on Sunday at a... Romanian church, are you speaking English or Romanian? Both, good. Do you guys really know, do you think one hour at Sunday school at your Sunday church is enough? Do you think listening to the word of God in Romanian, or some of you guys, let's be honest, you have no idea what the guy is saying, half of it, or at least 70%. Is that enough? 52 weeks out of the year, is that enough? I'll give you an example. The Bible talks about us, it's promised me, those of you guys who don't spend time in the Word of God, that if you end up getting on the news, CNN or Fox News or one of these channels, don't bring up the Word of God. Don't mention anything about Jesus. Just shut up. Just be quiet. The Word of God is very clear, for example. It talks about the sheep and the goat. And now he's going to, at the end of times, and throughout the Bible, it talks about us being sheep. We have a great shepherd. And it gets to the end. At the end of times, Jesus is going to separate the sheep from the goat the sheep to the right-hand side, and the goats to the left. You all know that, right? This woman from the South didn't know that, from CNN. That's why I promise you, don't get on there and mention anything about Jesus and God. Sometimes these people make a fool of themselves. You go ahead and put that video up as well. By the way, this has nothing to do with politics, so don't. Oh, Ariel's a Democrat. Please don't do that. Press play. Of God and Newsmax and maybe a little fox, that's about it. That's about it. Right. That's but I've kind of turned away from news. I don't want to listen to it. I want to listen to what God's saying, what he's fixing to do. That's all I'm concerned about. I think it is time where God is separating the sheep from the goats.
1: You know, are you?
0: I am a... a <laughs> I'm a goat, but I sheep. I'm not doing what they tell me to do. Hmm. I'm fighting against it. Put the PowerPoint up. I'm, a, I'm a, goat. You found a goat. You found a goat. Bible is the basis of our faith. The key verse, remember, this is the pearl that I want you guys to forget about everything else I say except for this verse that's coming up. Romans 10, 17. So then faith, we've been talking about faith. Jesus is the object of our faith. This faith comes from where? Comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible, the scripture, the word of God is the basis of our faith. Ariel, I live a life and they can tell that I'm a Christian by the way I live. No, faith comes by Hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. Can you present the Gospel? Can you give? It talks in the Bible of being able to explain the hope that's within you. Can each one of you, I brought you up and tested each one of you. Go ahead. That should be our talent show tonight. Each one of you come up and tell me the hope that's within you, the faith, the assurance, the conviction. Can you explain it in your own words? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. I love what it says in, so this is the New King James Version. Look at this. ESV and ASB. Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ, being even more specific. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Remember, it's all about Christ. The ultimate supreme revelation of God is Christ. He's the object of our faith. And the Bible is pointing to Christ. Now, we're going to ask this shocking question to make you guys all think, like doing this shock and awe kind of thing. Here we go. How do you know if you are a Christian? What is a sign that someone is an authentic believer? Oh, they have the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, you can mention a whole bunch of stuff. They'll love one another, says. You know that you're mine if you love one another. After so many years of working with the youth, what I've discovered is one of the signs if someone is a believer or not is this a hunger for the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. You're conceived by the Word of God, by hearing the Word of God. That's where this faith comes from. How are you fed? How are you gonna grow? By having a hunger for the Word of God, a craving, an urgency to want to get into the Word of God anyone who's truly saved, anyone who's born again is going to be fed, is going to grow in the word of God. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2.1. How do you know if you're a Christian? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn babies, look at these words, long for desire Hunger for the pure milk of the word. What does a baby do when it's hungry? No, no, you guys, who who deals with babies on a regular basis? Anybody? What does a baby do when it's hungry? I I hope I wake you guys up. Because until you get that thing inside its mouth, it's going to cry, and then it puts in it. His face is kind of like, it's, oh, this is so good. Drinking that. All, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. How do you know if you're a Christian? If you don't long for it, then we have a problem. So that by it you may grow. How are you going to get fed? How are you going to grow in the knowledge of Christ? Grow to be a mature Christian, as Mr. Maturity said earlier on Friday. How are you gonna grow? So that you may grow in respect to salvation, if, big qualify here though, if you have tasted That's why I know someone has not been regenerate because a person who's been regenerate, the heart has been changed so that he can long for it. They don't know what it means, salvation, redemption. They have no idea what God has done for them, who Jesus Christ is. Because anyone who has been regenerate, they have new taste, if they have tasted the kindness. New taste, new desire, new longing. That's why. How do you know if you're a Christian? New birth gives you new taste, longing, desire, craving. These are all words I'm trying to get across. This longing that's found there in Peter. Have you eaten today? No, not that junk. I'm sorry, not junk. That was good. (laughs) Jesus Jesus himself said, man cannot live by French toast and sausages and food. But a believer will live by what? By the word of God. Have you eaten? The church cannot feed people in one hour per week. It can only attempt to make you. That's all we're trying to do here as well. It's to make you, I'm hoping that you're believers and you're hungry, you've tasted it, and your lips and tongue and your spiritual heart is not numb, I don't want to excite for you guys to get hungry. One hour per week is so not enough. If you've been eating, if you know, and having that longing, that craving, you're going to want it on a regular basis. You're going to have what I call a God fix. You want to get it in your veins. You want the word of God to be tattooed in your heart. You want it so bad that without it, you are going to die. I don't know if you understand that. Just can't without it, that's what it means to be a believer. To crave the word of God. Where I drive to work. I can listen to talk radio, I can see what's going on between Biden, Trump, and Celsius, and I mean, I can live know all these. It's gonna change in the next two years, another two years, four years from now, it's gonna pass. Your parents know more about, by the way, I love some of your parents. I don't understand, remain, I don't understand English they'll say, but they'll listen to talk radio five days out of the week, right? They know everything about politics. But do they know the word of God? Do you see them hungry? Are you hungry for the Word of God? A person who is hungry for God will seek his presence every day, not just on Sunday. You know what hunger means that we talked about a craving, longing. One of the spiritual, one of the most important disciplines a person can have is to have this hunger, this craving. Hungering for righteousness. Hungering for God. Jesus said to Matthew, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. By the way, remember, the scripture is all about who. Who is that righteousness? Your righteousness? No, it's talking about Christ. Because Jesus came and said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. I am, who believes in me, will never go thirsty. I am the living water, he says. You will never thirst again. I'm talking about Christ. Do you hunger for Christ? Do you hunger for him? Do you hunger for the word of God? This is my son when he gets, okay, no, this is me. <laughs> when he gets hungry, we call it hangry. If I don't eat after a couple of hours, I get mean and mad. I'm not satisfied with whatever's going on. If it's work or whatever, I get mad. Do you become like this? Hangry. If you are someone who's hungry, craving the word of God, you are. You're not going to be content with if your Romanian pastor is diddly daddling at the envoy. You're not content if he's playing around with the scriptures of the word of God. You're gonna get mad. You're not gonna be content with any church you go to. And the sermons are mediocre at best. You can tell that they spent probably five minutes of the driving from home. You're not, that's not acceptable. Mom, Dad, why is this? I need to answer this question, why? I don't know, I don't know. Leave me alone. No, I'm angry, Mom. Dad, give me an answer. They can't give you the answer from the word of God. The problem there in that house. I'm hangry, hungry for the word of God. Hungry for righteousness, hungry for God. Most of you are like this. Do we have it over there? Lost signal? This is the way we are. Bored. Some of us are like this on a given Sunday. There's, I love because again, I deal with youth all the time on Sunday. That's when we put on this veneer of falseness. I love it. We're so good at it. We are so good at putting this false veneer. You know what veneer is, like, you know, for example, if you know, you know when you're dealing with celebrities, by the way, here real quick, if you don't know this. If you're dealing with celebrity, Nicolas Cage is a perfectly good example, people that deal in California, you know you're dealing with celebrity because of like, I think there's three things. One, they have a very expensive watch. Number two, their teeth, especially the front teeth, are perfect. If you look at Nicolas Cage's mouth, the bottom teeth look terrible, but the top tooth, and they have a veneer. What they do is they shave them down and they put on this false teeth and they look all even. You've got to smile all the time. You've got to be on picture and they're white, always perfectly white. On Sunday, we're so good at putting on a veneer. There's this kid that I know, a few of them, but there's one particular. Man, he's so good on Sunday to perform. So good to look clean. And then when we meet together and we have Bible study, parents are not there, of course. I got people on the inside who tell me he's always on Instagram, people that are sitting there in the back. He's not paying attention. He has no hunger. He'll go through the motions. He'll get married to one of you girls. He knows how to say the right things. The dirty dog he is. Yeah. But I use dirty dog all the time for almost a lot of things. Hypocrite. He's false. He's a false veneer. But on Sunday, he knows how to perform. Give you the impression that he's the holiest of holiest. The word of God says in Jeremiah, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. I have this craving, this desire. I want it so bad that I'm eating it. And I love this image. It's like you're eating the word of God. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. How do you know you're a Christian? Because you want to eat the word of God. You're hungry for it. It's like sweet honey like a little baby, mm. I am so happy, so content. It is written, man shall not live by that food that we had, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How did you know if you're a Christian? Therefore, I'm going to read it one more time. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and all envy and all slander, and like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that you may grow in respect to salvation if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, we're gonna move very quickly. Bible is the basis of our faith. What do you mean by that, Ariel? Because of this verse. This, for me, is so important. I have not seen Jesus, none of you have. None of you guys were there 2,000 years ago, none of you guys touched the cross, none of you have physically seen Jesus. How do you know that all that stuff is true? Well, it's in the Word of God. Okay, so what's the word of God to you? This is what it, Holy Spirit is putting in me and giving me is that all Scripture is breathed out by God. All in other words, it says inspired by God. Breathe out all of it, all of the Scripture. And I try to get imagination. All the men back then. This is not their opinion. What they wrote in here, all of it, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And if you look at the history of so many thousands of years, and it corresponding and working together like a perfect puzzle. This word was not written by these men and their own thoughts and imaginations, like we were talking about yesterday. It was inspired, breathed out by God. This is them, impotent, incompetent, men like you and me, And God chooses them to breathe into them. And they move and they write. The revelation. They write. God is breathing. God is inspiring. And all of it. For every aspect of your life, you name it. Questions about relationship, stewardship, finances, truth, all of it is inspired. All of it is God-breathed. We read yesterday from Hebrews where it said, and our fathers, God spoke to them. Yes, God revealed to them from Genesis all the way to Malachi. In what? In Theophanies. What's Theophany? Where God comes in like a human person, an image of some sort called Christophany. For example, we see in Joshua that also this weird guy appears in front of Joshua. We know that it's not an angel. Why? Because he's bowing down. And the angel normally, whenever someone comes and bows before an angel, the angel says, stand up, don't worship me, stand up, stand up. But this being doesn't tell him to stand. Was Christophany Christ displayed there in front of Joshua? In visions, Daniel had a vision. In dreams. So many of the prophets had dreams, audible voices, angels, and miracles. We know that Moses had a burning bush. In the Old Testament, there was a donkey that talked. If you go to the last session today, we're going to talk about that. Should we have donkeys speaking to us today, pets and animals? Today. Should we have people that are conducting us, who are leading us by based on their dreams? Audible voices. Asha the Oh, I've heard that so many times. I got married to a Pentecostal wife. No, she didn't say that to me, but I've heard it because I went to Pentecostal churches many times. I'm familiar with all the churches in Chicago. My grandmother used to go to Elim in Chicago, so whenever I would go visit Chicago, and for those of you guys from Chicago, please don't get mad at me, I would go to the Pentecostal church because I felt more comfortable going there with my grandmother because you know I respect my elders and go where she was going to church. So I'm familiar with UNESCO and Luca, and Adi, and all those guys that go to Elim. And I grew up in that environment. When it was time to get married, all those guys my friends would actually have, There's a guy, a prophet in Indiana, that you put in some money, and you send him something, You send him, ask him, that who should I get married to, and he will pray over something, and you get in the envelope, a little piece of paper, like a, like a fortune cookie, little thing. If you should marry, put the name of the girl in you, if you should get married to them or not. Of course, put some money in there as well. Is that the way it works? In the Old Testament it did. But then God, we talked about this in Hebrews 1, Colossians 1. In Hebrews 1, if you guys go back to that, but God gave us the greatest revelation of himself 2,000 years ago, who? Through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It's all there. Everything. We got tits and bits, bits and pieces, like a cell phone that's breaking down in the Old Testament, but now we get a clear signal and it's the, in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the object of our faith. I love this, the incarnation of Jesus. I love it because every single time at Christmas, there's a group that I follow, and they're chatting. We should not be celebrating Christmas on December 24th. It's a pagan holiday. If You want to argue with me on that? That's fine, but I'll tell you, that's how my answer is going to be. Pick any day of the week. In July 15th, pick whatever you want. If I were to summarize Christmas in one word, it's that word right there. Incarnation. It's a doctrinal word. In the flesh. Pick any day we were able to convince this world to give us off on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day. Thank you. But if you can give us off on July 15th, on October 3rd, I don't care. To celebrate the incarnation where the wonder of his love is displayed, where deity becomes flesh, he limits himself, takes off his glory. I don't you guys understand, I was talking to someone uh, yesterday. The maker is getting nursed by someone he created. The one who created the universe. The one who's sitting there. First time in history that the baby is older than the mother. Just looking at her eyes. The one who created her. We know Isaiah. Read all the time at Christmas. It's all about the incarnation. For unto us a child is what? Born. But then it says, at the same time, a what? Nope. A what? For unto us a child is born a son is given for God to love the world that he gave his son unto us a child is born. He's talking about Jesus' humanity. A son was given at the same time, talking about Jesus' divinity. What we call hypostatic union, another doctrinal word for those who don't know, hypostatic union. What that means is this, two natures, humanity. A divinity, deity, simultaneously existing in one person, hypostatic. Jesus, that guy we're talking, the object of our faith, please don't lose me on this, it's so important, this will blow your mind. Jesus, the object of our faith, is truly man, but at the same time, truly God, all the sovereignty things that we talked about, those attributes of God, he's got them. He's man. That he gets thirsty, like I'm right now. But he's so much God that he says, I am the living water. Whoever drinks from me will never thirst again. He's so much man that he gets hungry. But he's so much deity, God, that he takes some elements, some fish and some bread, And he makes fish sandwiches for 5,000 men, not including the women and children. 5,000. Who can do this? Only someone who's deity. So much man that he cries. (laughs) If you lose someone, you cry at their tomb. But he's so much God. He stands up. Lazarus! Get out! He gets called by name. If you would have not said Lazarus, all those people have come out. Lazarus, get out. So much, man. That he's tired. He sleeps in the middle of a storm. Remember those seasoned sailors? They're supposed to be seasoned, whatever. No, they're teenagers probably. And they're all scared. He's sleeping. Wakes him up. We're so scared. Please, Jesus, Please do something. He Stands up and says, Who can do this unless someone is sovereign? Storm! Be calm. Stop. Oh, you love a little faith, you children. He is so much man that he gets famished. He gets tired. He gets exhausted like you guys stayed up last night. I'm exhausted. But he's so much God that he says, all of you that are tired, and weary laden. Is that 30 minutes? We're not gonna make it. We're gonna have to fly. So much God that he says, all you that are heavy laden, tired, come unto me and I will give you rest. So much man that he bleeds and suffers and dies, but so much God that he gets up on the third day on Sunday. He had to be man. That's the only way he could die. God is a spirit, he cannot die. He had to be a man, hypostatic union had to be it so that he could suffer and bleed. But so much God, because that's the only way he could save us. The incarnation was the greatest gift. He comes down so that me and you, we all of us dirty dogs can go up to heaven. But how does God speak to us today? How does God speak to us today? How many of you guys want to hear the voice of God? The answer is very simple. You want to hear the voice of God today? You know how you do it? Open your Bible and read it. Not I want to hear the audible. You want to hear the audible voice of God? Read the word of God out loud. That's how you're gonna hear the voice of God. The word of God. It's the very life, it's the word of God. It's the supreme law of the land. I wrote this down, supreme. It has to be the final authority. Highest and final authority, reliable and trustworthy, contains good promises, God's promises. What God says, God will do. This is so important. But you understand, faith is based on convictions, assurances, based on what? It's got to be based on something. On something. I know, but I can't see it, but it's got to be based on something. Because of all the promises that God has made, all those promises in the Old Testament, we have this hall of faith, all those guys, it's infallible, it's happened. What God says, God will do. Other than the gift of God himself, the Bible's the greatest gift that God has given to Christians. That's why you need to see. It's like, you name it, whatever you want to call it. Christ is the object. It's like the ultimate. Right underneath that. It's not the music. It's not your poésies, It's not whatever. It's the word of God. Word is eternal as God himself. It says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm going to go flying through this. For those of you guys who don't know, well, we have science, we have history. All that stuff is great. But the Bible has to be the supreme law of the land. We're going to learn about this in the next session. At the end of the day, the highest court here, in the, you know, for those that do law, is the Supreme Court. Further up, further up until it gets the Supreme. Supreme is the highest. The Constitution is the highest form of document that we have. The Bible has to be the highest authority. The biblical standard is this. It's the Word of God. I'm going to fly as fast as I can. Do I have no more control? How do you know that something is telling you is truth? How do you know that I'm telling you the truth? How do you know that Slavic, this dirty dog, I'm going to use it on everybody. It's okay? How do you know he's half Moldavian, half Romanian? How do you know he's telling the truth? How do you know that I'm telling the truth? I could be lying to you right now. How do you know this book well enough that you know if something's a lie or not? There's this weird story. I'm just going to mention it real quickly just to show you because this is a perfectly good example. It's the first Kings. Look it up if you want to real quick. Not right now. Go home. 1 Kings 13, 1 through 11. There's this man of God who the word of the Lord, look at this, the word of the Lord came to him and told him, you know, what to do. And he does it, he does it all. And then look at verse 9, for I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread or drink water returned by the way you came. So, anyway, just told, listen, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord told you not to do this. Don't go and stop and eat and drink, just go back home. He tells the king this very interesting story. We keep on going. And then in verse eleven it says, this, "Then another old prophet, another dirty dog human." I want you to think about this. If Slavic says something contrary to the word, if Arnotoshian says something to the word of God, an old prophet comes, comes to this guy, and in verse sixteen, he tells him again the, the original prophet. I may not return with you or go with you, neither will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me, by the word of the Lord, you shall not neither eat nor drink nor return by the way that you came. Verse 18. This dirty dog, old prophet says, I am also a prophet. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord. Look what it says there. But he lied to him. So he goes, okay. So that guy... Word of the Lord one thing, but this other prophet comes and says, An angel told him, and I'm also a prophet, come and eat with me and my family. And he goes. Because he okay, I guess that supersedes and trumps whatever I was told. And he goes and he eats. And he sits down and eats with the family. And while he's having the meal, look what it says. Because you have disobeyed it, the, the Holy Spirit fills that old dirty dog prophet, and filled, because you disobeyed the word of the Lord, you're not going to make it home to be buried with your forefathers. You should have listened. The word of God trumps anybody, whatever anybody says. I don't care who it is. Fratle, Povic, Fratle, Matei, Fratle, Christi, Kochai, you name it, anybody. He ends up being eaten by a lion. Doesn't even get gets devoured and gets pooped out by a lion. doesn't get to be buried in his home turf because he disobeyed the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is reliable, it's trustworthy. No matter what anybody says, it supersedes. Look at this one, Isaiah 48. The word of God is eternal. I love you, love this, my, my children hear this verse probably three times a week. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God lasts forever. Ladies. It says, all flesh is like the grass and all its glory some beauty. It's like the flowers of the field, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Play that video if you don't mind, that time-lapse video. You ladies, you're so beautiful right now, because you're so young. Your mom tells you how to put, and you probably spent time doing your nails, how much you guys made your nails before you came here to this camp. Some of you worked out, spent three, at least three times a week as they're playing the video. Get ready to play it whenever you're ready. Yep. Just continue to play it while I, we watch this together. Fast forward if you can, not put it at, like at 1.5 or whatever it is. Speed it up faster. It's going to take like three minutes, so make it faster. You can make the music louder. Make it okay, fast forward. In a sense, you know how you do... Um, What is it called when you like faster? Playback speed. Ladies, gentlemen, you guys are looking for these ladies to get married to, they're so beautiful. Their beauty is like the grass of the fields. It withers and it fades. They're not going to be so pretty like they are right now. In 20 years, they're going to start looking like hags. In 40 years, they're going to have crow's feet and Ladies, I know that all of you have spent more time preparing for this weekend than you have in the Word of God. I know it. Working out, putting on lotions, creams. The Word of God lasts forever. Your beauty fades. All of us. If Christ doesn't come back in 50 years, we're going to be six feet under the ground. I will be too. But this great pearl of great price, it's going to last forever. It's eternal. The question is this, why invest in something that's going to pass? Working out all this kind of stuff, get hungry for the Word of God. Get deep into the Word of God. It will last forever. It's eternal. Now, why is the word of God all these wonderful qualities? Supreme law of the land, highest and final authority, the last one, what we talked about yesterday. It talks about the object of our faith, the ultimate revelation, the hero of the story, Jesus Christ himself. If we were to get into a time machine, right now, I love history. My favorite topic is history. If we were to get in a time machine, if I had a device, this one right here, and I were to get into it, where would you take me? Where would you, By the way, you can only go one place. You have an hour, two hours. Where would you take me? Where would you want to go? Where would you want to go? Uh, Eden, Eden. oh. When in Eden? First day or second day? First, First day. You'd be dead because they're... There's nothing there to breathe, and you'd be in so much trouble. Think about this very carefully. It says there was a dark over the waters. There's nothing else. You'd be, as soon as you arrived there, you'd be dead. Think carefully about your time machine. Where would you go? Where would you want to go? If you could go one chance, one hour, you can go two hours. Jesus' crucifixion. Okay, wow. Get one hour. That's powerful. Anybody else? That was a very deep one. Where would you want to go in history? Where would you go? To Damascus, okay? To see him watch and grow and play? Where would you go? His resurrection, okay? To be there. If you could go into a time machine. You know what's funny? I talked to the young kids. All the little kids, I don't know why this, they want to go back to see their parents in their little small villages in Romania, Sat. I'm like, are you serious? It's nothing special there. I don't, you know, I break their bubbles a little bit. You want to see, see their mom and dad, how they played to see if it was the same as the, no, they didn't have anything. They don't have, they lived in the Stone Age. They didn't have all the cool stuff you have now. You want to go back for an hour, you'd pick to go on the time machine to go back to your parents' village. Come on, there's so many great things to go visit. Trojan. When they brought it in there, I would like to be inside there to see what happened. It's for an hour, to, be, to see the surprise on people's faces. There's all these wonderful places in history. We went to, to, to Pennsylvania. When George Washington crossed the Delaware, great moment. Declaration of Independence, this country became a nation. That moment was powerful. Too cold, Too cold I agree. Signing of the Declaration of Independence, we were actually at Liberty Hall two days ago. I wanna be there, maybe to see when this happens. Maybe I could stop him. Booth, our 40th president, Abraham Lincoln. I love history. To me, they're one of the greatest deals, I love transactions and business, that's what I do all day, is, is to do contract negotiations. The French sold America, all that awesome part of the middle of America, for $40 million. Imagine if I can go back in time, get all the money from all your parents, and to buy Colorado and Wyoming and North Dakota and all of it for $40 million. We would all be like, I mean, we would be the richest if we come back in time, buy the land, and come back here. We would be set for life. $40 million. Okay, from the Bible, where would you want to go? To see Noah and the flood again. That'd be kind of awesome, right? The only problem is, like I said, you'd want to be inside the boat, not outside if you want to see Noah in the ark. How about this one? I would love to be here, departing in the Red Sea, to put my hand in the waters, so I can see the fish swimming between the waters. How about this one? In the lions, and we tell this in the kids' stories, but to see these mouths, these hungry lions with their mouths sealed, because Daniel's there and God's protecting him. If you're there in the lions, then the problem is this, it's sealed the mouth for Daniel, specifically for one person, maybe not for you. How about this, David and Goliath? We love the story. To bring down this big giant. How about this, Jonah? How about this? At the foundation of the earth. Do you know where I'd like to be? Here. If I could get a couple of hours here. Where is here? It's the road to a mouse. The greatest day of humanity. This day. Let me be very clear. That day is more important than my birthday. This day is more important than my anniversary with my wife. I don't. I love my wife, but I don't care about her birthday compared to this day. I don't care about my children's birthdays compared to this day. If it wasn't for this day, I wouldn't even be married to her. I'd be in Las Vegas right now, using the black card on who knows what. Via the capomela, exactly. If it wasn't for this day, this is the greatest day. It's the road to a mouse. Christ just rose on that morning. And it says in the scriptures, and I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, because it's so beautiful. He's talking to these two guys. He appears, by the way, it's so powerful, because if you just look at it, it's the first place where Jesus acts. He pretends. It's the first place acting Jesus, if you look at it. It says in the very clearly that he comes from behind him. And if you look at the original language, he comes quickly, as if at one point he's moving, and fast forward in time, like he does transform time, and moving very quickly. But it says at the very end there, then Jesus said to two men, You are foolish and slow to realize what is true. You should believe everything the prophet said. 26. The prophet said the Messiah must suffer these things before he begins the time of glory. But listen to this. Verse 27, when I read this, I memorized it, I underlined it. I would sit there and imagine myself in my time machine going to this moment. Because of this verse, then he began to explain everything that had been written about himself in the scriptures imagine having jesus as your pastor your sunday school teacher your teacher where he goes through everything in the scripture everything in this word of god is pointing to him you guys know what foreshadow means types and shadows foreshadow for those who have ever played if you ever play if we should do laser tag one time it's very easy to beat people in laser tag if you're dealing with kids small kids they don't know what foreshadow is you're staying around the corner and you're hiding They're like little kids. They don't realize that there's a shadow that comes a lot of times ahead of them. So if they're on the other side of the corner, I can see the shadow, and I just aim, and I wait. Two more seconds. One, two, they pop their head. Pop, 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 done. Foreshadow. The Old Testament, it's dripping with shadows and types and foreshadows, pointing to something bigger, to the ultimate revelation. Jesus Christ himself, the object of our faith, he goes and he tells, you know, Luke 24, there's one place that's very powerful. The Pharisees, dirty dogs that they were, they knew the word of God. And he says to them, listen, you examine the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is those very scriptures that testify about me. Don't you realize that the word of God is all about me? I'm going to go very fast. I need you guys' attention because this is, I'm going to give you guys a breakdown of so many shadows as fast as I possibly can. I'm only going to touch them. In your small groups, you're going to get more into it, into more details. But just listen carefully. If you're sleeping, wake up. If you're sleeping, just continue sleeping. You'll marry one of these girls and you'll be happily married. Just keep on going. At the very beginning of Genesis, we talked about this yesterday a little bit. Where was Christ? Was he there at the beginning of the creation? It says in the scriptures. And God said, let us, plural. There was others there. Him, Holy Spirit, Jesus, instruments being used in this creation of the earth. We talked about Jonah. Wouldn't it be great to see Jonah? Jesus actually mentions in the Bible to the Pharisees. And Jonah provided a huge fish to swallow, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. Do you guys know how long? In fact, I asked young kids, and I asked so many students. Do you know how much you guys don't know the Bible, the Word of God, a catechism? Again, is Ruthie here? Where is she? Where's Ruthie? Right there. Good. Don't tell anybody this. Keep it between us. At catechism, I'm sitting there and I'm asking some people who are supposed to get baptized about the Lord's Day. We're talking about it. Why do we celebrate on Sunday? Sabbath and Saturday. Why on Sunday? Give me one reason. I don't know. Anything? I mean, tell me, tell me why on Sunday? I don't know. Okay, the greatest day, the greatest celebration. I don't know. Okay, the resurrection. Okay, when did that happen? When did the resurrection of Jesus Christ happen? We're talking; these are 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds. The answer was, I don't know. I don't know. We're talking. Me, and Chris, want to go into deep doctrinal theology with you guys—hypostatic union, ketosis. We want to talk about all this kind of stuff. We can't. You guys don't even know what day Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Some of you guys don't even know that how long Jonah was in the belly of the whale. Two, a week. When I talked to them, three days. And this is Sunday school basic 101. It was a foreshadow. He was three days in the belly. Why? Because Jesus later on tells the Pharisees, I'm gonna give you a sign. The only sign you're gonna get is the sign of Jonah days I will build this temple he's referring to his death buried for three days and he rose on the third day foreshadow so much David and Goliath you can buy Louis Giglio's book and so many books I mean if you want to make money it's fine you can write about take down your giant you are David young man what's your name Josh looks like a David you are David Josh take down your Goliath whatever it is depression Your anxiety from talking to these girls. Fear. Take it down with those stones. But the word of God is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Josh. You are not David. Jesus Christ is more David and that's Satan, death, and sin itself. And he pops them, pop, with one shot. It's all over there. People don't even see it. They teach, they teach it in study school, but it's so quick, Nobody notices, it. it was right there. You ever notice how they set up? In fact, if you guys know, uh, all military, West Point, what they do is they love to study all of the military things that have happened in the past from the uh, corps, like, they actually study this battle between David and Goliath to look, to see what happened. But it's very interesting. The conditions of the war right beforehand, you know what it was? Before David and Goliath come there, there was a condition that was given. Very interesting, nowhere else sort of in the scripture it happens, do you know what happens? Does anybody know the conditions of the battle? If we're going to battle. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose among you one man to come down here to fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. One man, and what happens there is going to impact all of us. Wow, what's going on here? What is this talking about? If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. It's the Old Testament. Interesting story. We just passed over. Nobody passed. Even your Sunday school teacher doesn't even know what that means. What's going on? This is a foreshadow. It's pointing to something that it talks about in 1 Corinthians. For as by one man, Adam, death spread like a virus, sin entered the wages of sin is death. If Christ doesn't come back, we're all going to be six feet under. Also came because by one man, one man came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. This battle in the Old Testament was pointing to what was going to happen here. That Christ goes and dies on the cross for mankind. Adam represented us, entered sin in the world, but Christ comes. Known as the Federal headship. If I went and asked your elders at your church what federal headship means, would they know what that means? Jason, don't say yes or no. You're in trouble. Do they know what that means? It's right here. Joseph, foreshadow, you'll study in small groups. The raising of, you know that snake story that's in the Old Testament? All these complaining Israelites are sitting there and they get bitten by these vipers. God gets mad at them and they get bitten by these vipers. They start dying. And Moses puts on a bronze serpent on a cross. No one thinks about it, but look carefully there. It's a foreshadow. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. The problem is this. Do you guys know how many people crossed? How many people crossed? They say there was about 2.5. There's one something calculated exactly. The Bible tells us about the number of men. But with children and women, they say about 2.5 million. This is how it was split up the camp. If You put one cross on a high of hill, do the calculation. I love math. And you go around, around, at 2.5 million people, you probably couldn't even see. You don't even know where exactly. If it was on a low ground, you probably couldn't see. There's so many tents. And God commands us, He who sees it shall live. Look at the bronze serpent and shall live. I kept thinking about this. Did it require faith? That maybe someone who really was on his last deathbed, he was crawling, can't even lift up his head. And I'm wondering if someone said, where is it? It's that direction, it's there. I can't see it. What if he just looked up in that direction? He couldn't even see it. Conviction of what you can't see. I know it's there. I know it's there. I believe in my heart. It requires faith. Believe and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ for you to be saved. This is way too important. If you forget about everything else, this is the most important part. The Bible is filled with breadcrumbs of the word of God. It's filled. What excites you? What do you long for? Are you hungry for the word of God? Consumed by the word of God? This is phrased, stay thirsty my friends. You know this for a drink. My hope and prayer is leaving from here. You'll stay hungry. Hungry for the word of God. You long for it like nothing else. May God help us all. Amen. Let me pray. Dear God, you are so wonderful. We thank you for this revelation that we get from the word of God. It's all spelled out, salvation. It talks about the all-sufficiency of Christ, how Christ did it all. Take care of salvation, it's all there. We don't need to add something like the Mormons and, and the Islam and try to do, that there's something else, there's something in mysticism, that there's something else beyond. It's not enough. Christ can't be enough. The word of God is very clear. Help us, Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but your word will last forever. Help us to be tattooed in our hearts. Lord, if there's anyone who's not a believer, who's not hungering for you, who's not hungering for righteousness, I want to go to the object of the faith, which is Jesus Christ, who can feed their hunger. They'll never be hungry again. Give them thirst. They'll never be thirsty again. We love you so much. In the resurrection of Jesus' name I pray, amen.